I'm sorry. It happened again. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Big one way of field stumbling. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. Bears Fields. Touchdown. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. Obviously, it was, a, it was a game of two halves. I thought that we played good football there in the first half and we're doing the things that we wanted to do. But in the second half, you know, you got to score more touchdowns than, than you do field goals. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Great. Great. We are done. And Jake Hassan. Tell me how you really feel. It's an awful, 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 awful mess. Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Let's get it. Bears Nation podcast. It is October. Nope, November. October? (laughs) You're in the wrong month. You've never been on the wrong month. Man, that that is new. I love it. <laughs> Hot start. Hot, Hot start. Um, it is November 2nd. It go. is Bears Nation Podcast. Jake Hassan joined by Kevin Lapka. And obviously, today's Tuesday. We're usually on Mondays, but we are today going on Tuesday because of scheduling conflicts. So here we are. And we have a game to talk about, and we'll still be back tomorrow on our normal uh, preview spot. But before that, we have to talk about the game that happened on Sunday between the Chicago Bears, as this is Bears Nation podcast, and the San Francisco 49ers, in which the Bears lost. They fall to three and five. They are third in the division. They lose a game that really was in hand the entire time. You had every every opportunity to win. You lose 33 to 22. And I mean, the thing is, the problem is that we really, I mean, we're going to have gripes with the offense because we always do, because there's still issues on the offense. But when the defense lets you down that badly, again, back-to-back weeks, really, and, and against the Bucs, it was kind of expected because, you know, the, it was the Bucs, they're a Super Bowl contender. But the 49ers are such a mediocre team. And again, the Bears are also a very mediocre team, mm-hmm. but... My God, you, 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 when you're giving up 33 to the 49ers and you're giving up, you know, screen passes that go 80 yards, you got issues. You, and granted, Khalil Mack was out. Eddie Jackson left the game. Yeah. You know, you, you were missing some very key guys, uh, you know, but <sighs> I, you know, I was, I was thinking before we started, I was like, do I start with the positive stuff with the Justin Fields stuff? are the negative stuff. And I think I'm making the right decision because it'll be more fun to talk about the positive stuff in a little bit here. So maybe, maybe we start low and we go, we build ourselves up, but man, I mean, just a really disappointing performance from the defense on Sunday. And I don't, I don't think people understand how bad it was because the bears dominated time of possession. So it's like, yeah, 33 points, like doesn't jump out to you. It's crazy. Like that's a lot to allow to a three and four 49ers team with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, but it doesn't jump. It's not a 40 pointer. It's not 50, but the thing that you have to recognize that I didn't even realize until I went back and looked at the stats is the 49ers did not punt once and the bears Mm -hmm. did not get one turnover. So the 49ers have an opportunity to score every single time and didn't just once because of a missed field goal. Every other possession they scored. You know, they had a number of field goals, so I guess you give some credit to the defense for, you know, the brand don't break mentality. But this was the first time since 1940 
that a Bears opponent had zero punts and zero turnovers in a game. It's uh, that is that is unbelievable. And this is why, Jake, when I and I talk about defense, and I, I've talked about this, right? And I've said, you know, I, I don't think we're in the air anymore of defense wins championships. I don't think that matters. You still need a good defense, or like you still need an above average defense or an average defense to compete. And right now, they're not even playing at average or above average. And the main reason for that, and one way that you can overcome defensive flaws, is getting takeaways. You see the Dallas Cowboys across the board; their defense isn't phenomenal by any means. Cool. Was, but that was really cool. What was that? I just get, I glitched out for a second. We're good. Yeah, I was like, "What is that?" Jake today's in the studio, show, by the way. Today, today's show is really, really just firing it's off. on all it's, cylinders. It's, it's yeah, off. It's yeah, good. it's really good. It's good. And hey, and th- we're also recording this at one o'clock p.m. Eastern time, twelve o'clock Central time, hoping that we get some sort of live reaction. We're not going to to, to a trade deadline move. I'm just saying. I'm They're hoping. I'm hope. I'm hoping they do it. They probably won't. Hopefully something. I hope we get that breaking news notification. It makes for an exciting time. But Jake, like I said, uh, you can overcome bad defense with takeaways and turnovers. They they have not been doing that. They don't know how sure. to do that anymore. And again, a, a large part of that comes from the fact that you were without Khalil Mack. A large part of that comes from the fact that you know although Eddie Jackson has had has had his flaws throughout the year, Tease Tabor is levels below Eddie Jackson despite <laughs> him playing at a lower level. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating and. Uh, you know, and that's why that's why, you know, there's a lot of people at this moment, you know, who are saying, well, why aren't you trading some of these players? And why aren't you or, or some people are advocating for them to trade for a player? You know, and if you're going to trade any player on the defense, I would say it, it should be Robert Quinn. I know there's the people out there yeah. who saw Von Miller get traded to the Rams. And now they're thinking, well, you got to you know, what would they what they get a three and a four back for Von Miller? Was it a something two and like a three? that? You know, they're like, oh, well, yeah. imagine what you can get for Khalil Mack. You're not trading Khalil Mack because regardless, this team can and should be a contender next year. You look at the Chargers. That's exactly, you know, where where they are with, you know, uh, Justin Herbert in his second year. You still need somebody to build around on that defense. And it can be two people. It can be Roquan and Khalil. You're not selling Roquan. You're not. Are you not selling right, no. Roquan? You're not selling. It, so, Khalil, so to address that, if you trade Khalil Mack, that kind of signals rebuild. And Roquan Smith is going to be one of the two defensive players you would keep around for the next phase when the rebuild is done. The other one being Jalen Johnson. So yeah, the, and I was thinking about this earlier with the whole trade deadline. They're not going to trade Cleo Mack or Allen Robinson or anyone like that because the way this ownership operates and the way that the front office operates, because you know, you know, they still believe they can contend this year. And we've seen the graphics already. It's already starting the in the hunt graphics. Kevin, you, you tweeted a couple of times. I think you put on your Instagram story too. Yeah. Like they're going to, they're going to latch onto that and say, okay, well, we, we believe we're better than this current three game losing streak. Just like all last year we heard, well, we're better than a six game losing streak or, you know, when it became three, four, five, and eventually six. And while I do believe, yeah, you are better than that. And we'll get into why in a second, some of the takeaways on offense from Sunday's game, but Ryan Pace will not sell off Allen Robinson or Khalil Mack because that would signal a waving of the white flag on this season. They fully I don't believe think Allen Robinson would, would would signal that though. You you're because not in a position a to give away regardless, right? But you but still, like you're not in a position to give away someone even with the potential of Allen Robinson. You know, okay, like, you're just not in that position. Um, so the, I I'm not expecting a trade. It's not. I would put it at like point three percent that we see a trade in that instance it would be Allen robinson probably i don't know but 
Yeah, I mean, going back to the game, though, just all around, just, I mean, sticking with the defense for a little bit longer, like just a disappointing, like they just got, they just got pushed around. Like it just, like, exactly. Like when Elijah Mitchell is running all over you, like Elijah Mitchell, I think is a good player, a decent player, but I don't think he should be torching you like the way he did. Like, I don't think he should just be running all over you. And again, Akeem Hicks is banged up. Khalil Mack is out. Eddie Jackson left the game. Like, I get it. I get it. But also, like, you are supposed to be a defensive team. Like, it's. I think what my biggest problem is when you get shellacked by Tampa like that, and then you come back with a performance like that against the Niners, like, at home, at home, like, that just shows, like, I don't want to say a lack of pride, but is it what we were worried about with this team, like losing interest? Like we saw last year with the defense, are they just losing interest? Like, are they just, you know, like they're tired of carrying this yes, team and, and, yes. and granted the offense played better, but I mean, Jesus, like, that was just bad. It's Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo I, for God's sake. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 300 yards on you. He's only done that seven times in his career with the 49ers. Uh, and every time he's done that, they're seven and zero. So you should have known that if you allow 300 yards to Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to lose. Um, but uh, you know, Shane, I'm in the chat says, I, I think the season's over after this loss, but this wasn't going to be a contending season anyway. Here's why I disagree with that statement because in hindsight, everybody's going to say that everybody's taking that casual take ah, this wasn't supposed to be contending season anyway. You know, this was just supposed to be about Justin's development. Yeah, that's that's true. Both things can be true that at, at this point, Justin's development is what's important for the franchise. But you also have to recognize the way they allocate resources and the way and the identity going into the year was not an identity that this is a rebuild. And, and that's evident in the moves that they made in the offseason. They acquired pieces. They did not sell heavily. They did. They, if anything, they bought all offseason, as you should in free agency, regardless. But you look at, you know, trading up in the draft, getting Justin Fields, you bought to be a contender this year. And now in hindsight, everyone says, oh, well, no, 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 this was, no, no, this was never supposed to be the case. But before week one even happened, you looked at the roster and you looked at everything they brought to the table and you thought, okay, this is a team that we know can at least get into that seventh seed that can at least be a contender for for the right. division. Cause at the time, I mean, at the time, Jake, they, we're going back to summer conversations. The questions about Aaron Rodgers, you know, and his potential to even be a green Bay Packer. When those rumors were circulating, people had the bears winning the division, Jake. I mean, seriously, yeah. like we, we had the Bears as the front runners in the division if Aaron Rodgers hadn't played and then he comes back. But even when he came back, people still thought, well, this is a team that has talent. They've, they've got the pieces on offense. They've got really dynamic offensive pieces. We know the defense is going to be good enough. And now it's not happening. And people just want to act like the team wasn't built for it. And this, what does it fall? What does this fall on? It falls on coaching. It falls on Matt Nagy. It falls on Bill Lazor. It falls on, you know, the guys across the board. Because the team is built for it, and you're not reaching it, and it, it, it's on the coaching staff that hasn't gotten you there. So that's why, I, Jake, I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like based off the conversations we had, I'm not in a place to just be like, well, you know, this wasn't a contending season anyway, because preseason we thought it was. It's like well, somewhat. So, so, Obviously not so Super you, Bowl, but playoffs. Yeah, you were, you were way more in belief that this team was a playoff team, but you're right. I mean, even no matter what we thought, like the feeling inside of Hales Hall was okay. Yeah, we're a playoff team because they had literally made the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky with Nick Foles as your quarterbacks all season. So especially when you got Justin Fields, and I mean even before Justin Fields happened, we thought okay, Andy Dalton is probably an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. I, I think we said that on this show. Like we yes, we talked about yes. that. So 
you know, when we were thinking about it, okay, you, you slipped into that spot. And here's the thing. Like, if you look at the playoff picture, like, yeah, okay. And then obviously, obviously you have the Packers, the Cardinals, the Cowboys. Like, the top is great. The first six seeds, I mean, you know, with the six seed being the Saints at five and two. It's a race for at, seven. It's a race for seven right now held by the Carolina Panthers at four and four. I think you're a better team than the Carolina Panthers. Like, you would have the same record as them right now. You haven't played the Vikings yet, but outside of that, so the Bears currently would sit at 13th spot. But 8 through 12 also all have three wins, just like you do. The Vikings, I think you're probably better than them. Mike Zimmer goes up to the podium every week, and you just can tell that man just wants to retire. 49ers, you should have beat them. Like, that was a, a winnable game. I think you're a better team than the 49ers. Falcons, they've played better, but... You're better think, than the Falcons. Yeah, you're yeah. better than and the then freaking Falcons. The, the Eagles, you're better than. And then the Seahawks, without Russell Wilson, God, I hope you're better than them, too. So you're. I hate to say it, and I hate that whole in the hunt thing, but you are. <laughs> I mean, you are, and once you get healthier, you know, once you get Khalil Mack back, once Akeem Hicks isn't as banged up, like, all you have to do is continue to make these steps on – offense and i mean that's a good segue justin fields just had his best game as a bear like yep, he had his far. most complete, he had his best game as as a starter of the chicago bears throws a touchdown pass has his best running day goes over 100 yards running 100 he only passed for 175 yards but passed for a touchdown his, his, interce- his interception i really isn't his fault I, I mean again i feel like we say that every week but should have been a better at the end of the game yeah I mean, yeah Absolutely. And so his best game by far. Now the problem there is that Justin Fields best game came with not your head coach who comes back this week. I don't love that. I don't can't say that that makes me feel great. Uh, with Justin Fields. Oh yeah. I have a, a text from coach, but I haven't read it yet. Justin Fields was, was, overjoyed at, at the podium. Like, I, I don't know. And we've talked about, you know, Justin Fields, nobody's around him when Matt Nagy's coaching. And, you know, one game with Chris Tabor, you know, making the game plan and getting everybody ready. Like he, like Justin Fields looked comfortable. He looked happy. And that happens obviously when you have a good, but they lost and he was still like, Oh yeah, no, that, like, you know, I, I feel good. Like mm-hmm. indicative. <laughs> and those are the yeah. things that matter. What did we say pregame? What did I tell you? I said if there's one thing you're going to take away from this game, one thing that you are going to notice, it's not going to be X, it's not going to be stats, it's not going to be X's and O's, it's going to be body language, it's going to be what these guys say after the game, and that's extremely, and that's what matters because at this point, I think the incompetence of the offense is is it's multi-dimensional. I guess and what I mean by that is it goes you know through every every part of the staff. I don't think it's just a Matt Nagy issue. Like I think Bill Lazor is better than Matt Nagy, obviously, but he's still not good enough. So what I'm trying to say is those are the things that matters. And I I couldn't tell, honestly, watching the game, I I said I was going to look out for body language and just kind of the vibe on the sideline. I couldn't tell. It's hard in a game when you lose 33-22 to see anything positive in in those areas. But I think nonetheless, like Justin Fields was more comfortable, more confident, uh, and you saw that in one of the greatest plays from a quarterback that I've ever seen. And I, I think that's a valid thing to say. Fourth and one, 
you go all the way to the right. You break about five. You don't break five tags. You juke about five defenders. You yeah. go all the way back to the left. Our guy Adam Amin, who came on the podcast last week, had a great call on it. Said Justin's making magic out there, and that's what he did. But the most important thing about that play, that is arguably the best play of the year from any player in the NFL, is the fact that that came on fourth down. You know, and and I think that's really it, it was it was a situation where I don't remember what that play was that a design run from the start i i can't remember exactly it looked like what it, it was it, it, it looked, looked like, like it so it looked like it was either it was maybe an option between him and herbert but regardless it was a running play at the start so i i think yeah i i'm, I'm gonna go ahead yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say yes so yeah. That that tells you everything you need to know right there. Fourth and one, you're in the red zone, crucial time of the game. You need to score, and you and literally, it's just we're gonna put the hands in the balls of our rookie court. We're gonna put the ball in the hands of our rookie quarterback and let him make a play. And you know that that's that's to me that is the ultimate sign of confidence in your quarterback. And I don't, I truly don't know. Although Matt Nagy's not calling plays, he has influence in those types of situations on what exactly sure. he wants to do offensively. I don't Definitely. know if he called that play in that situation. So I'm not the guy who's going to sit here and say, well, you know, the reason Justin had his best game is simply because Matt Nagy wasn't there. I don't think that those two things have a, a connection in that way, but when it comes to situations like that and specific moments like that, I think that is a scenario where you can say Matt Nagy not being there resulted in Justin Fields, you know, just making a play on his own, giving him the confidence to do that. And he went out there and he did it. And that was a play to me where, you could tell, and there's been a number of these throughout the year, where you could tell that he has it. You know, where you could tell yeah. that he's like it. It's yeah. just it, in the moment, just the type of play it was. Like Trubisky made hit that running play against the Patriots, like in his second year in 2018. But right. it wasn't a fourth down. It didn't feel the same. He has it, and I think that was well, a really. It, it was also moment. it was it was also the way he made guys miss, but also the awareness, I guess, to still to keep the eyes downfield and say, Oh crap, I have a lane here. I can make something happen here. Like mm-hmm. not just being complacent with, okay, I got the first down. All right, let me keep going for 20 more yards to get the touchdown. Like, yeah, I mean, and that's obviously what everyone's talking about. You know, we've heard multiple quotes over the last couple of days. Oh, that's a play you'll talk about for a long time. Oh, uh, I forget who was after the game, but said like uh, something about that run. Like, Oh, it's exciting to see that from him. That's just one of those things that you can't, you know, you can't teach. And I mean, it's true. Like, like you said, it's, it's what we knew he had and we just haven't seen a ton of it, that raw athleticism, that, that just God given talent. But I mean, you saw it and it's exciting to see. And it's unfortunate that you couldn't turn some of those field goals into touchdowns. And this is kind of where we get into the, okay, there were still some Mm -hmm. issues with the offense this week. Um, Something that I, read earlier uh this was from the athletic from john greenberg the bears have scored three more offensive touchdowns than just 22 games in the matt Nagy era that's 37.9 percent conversely they've scored one or fewer in 21 games so you've scored one or fewer touchdowns almost as many times as you've scored three or more it's crazy that the that your mo as a team is two touchdowns that's all you're capable of that's insane like that's crazy like that's that's your that's, mo as a, as a football team. Two touchdowns. That's what we're yeah. good for. And then maybe and then depending on how many field goals we can kick, and how how many points we could keep you t- down to, that's what determines the game. That's crazy. 
And that's why, as a Bears fan watching the games, you're, you're never confident. Even when you have a lead, you're never confident you're going to get the win unless you're playing the Detroit Lions. Like, that's literally the only time that you can feel confident because you know if a back-breaking 80-yard screen to Debo Samuel breaks through, you're fucked. You know that, you know? Right. Like, and that's why, And that's why I think we talked about this in the pregame show, too. You can't allow back-breaking plays to happen against the 49ers or against any team for that matter because you know that on the other side of the ball, you don't have the ability to do that. You don't have the ability to go 80 yards on, on a third and 20 with Debo Samuel. You don't have the ability to, to, to do those things just with the way your offense is built right now and not from a personnel standpoint, from a play standpoint, and from a play design standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, it's two touchdowns is their MO, and, and quite frankly, that's what it should be. I mean, that's – it, I don't expect anything more or less. And that's why we picked these games, 17-10, 17-13. That's why I say that the Bears don't have a sustainable identity when it comes to, to offensive winning and an offensive game plan. And and that's why, again, like people say, uh, I'll keep bringing this up because there are people who still think that the loss of Matt Nagy, it was really influential and all that. No, it wasn't. I mean, the standard is so low that people are saying 22 points was enough for you to win this game. And there's people out there who say the, the Bears should have won. The, they, 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 the offense did enough for them to win. That's that's the take. The defense played poorly, but the offense did not do enough for you to win. They didn't. I don't know why. I don't know why you would say that. I mean, there's still zero adjustments that are made throughout the game. We're sitting here in the fourth quarter down a touchdown. We're still running it on first down after for the previous 15 minutes. Kalua Herbert's been getting stuffed at the line every single time. So what are we going to do? We're just going to throw him right back into the defensive front of the of the San Francisco 49ers. That's been stifling you for the past quarter. What no adjustments have been made. We still haven't been taking shots downfield. I think I saw one. Did you see one? I think I saw one deep pass to, to Mooney that was attempted. And then you look at the red zone, and this is what, what sticks out to me. The turning point of the game was the Debo Samuel play. That sucked the life out of you, and yeah. it gave them the lead. But the second turning point is when you're up 13-9, to inside the 10 with six minutes left in the third quarter. You can make this a, you know, a two-score game inside the 10. And what do you do on third down in that situation? You go five wide, empty that inside the 10, and – out of all of the weapons that you have in that moment, Allen Robinson's one of the better red zone wide receivers in the NFL when it comes to a drop percentage standpoint. We know John Mooney's shifty enough to make guys miss. You decide to run a one-on-one little in route with Cole Komet against arguably the best coverage linebacker in football in Fred Warner. That's your best play. I mean, I had my yeah. friend Kellen on Twitter went back and looked at it, and it was five wide, four of them, four of the guys are running go routes inside the 10 <laughs> to, to try to, to do what to Jesus. try to do. So their whole plan was this one-on-one our guy versus your guy. And I love that mentality. Our guy versus your guy. Take, give me Allen Robinson, our guy versus their guy 10 out of 10 times instead of Cole Komet versus Fred Warner. What are we doing? Offense was not good enough. So, to, to so I, I actually didn't hate that throw or that decision by Justin the Fields. Throw, yeah, well, because well, Jake, it wasn't a, it, in that situation. I don't think it was a read him. I think it was it was a pre-snap read that they said, "Look, sure. we're gonna run this play designed to be go designed to go to Cole Komet. Whatever happens, you're throwing the ball to him." I don't. I think that's what the play was. Yeah, and, and to this point about you know like the routes and stuff. Hold on, let me find it real quick. It was a article from uh, uh, Kevin Fishbane about how the Bears do not use the middle of the field. Here it is. The Bears have attempted the third fewest ta- passes between the f- third fewest passes between the hashes. 
Th- third fewest in the league out of everyone. Unbelievable. They, they've completed 78.6%, but those average 6.9 yards per attempt. 23rd in the league. Meanwhile, they also on hitch routes, they're like near the top of the league. Like in like almost near the top. They no, they are. They lead the Shock- NFL in hitch yeah. routes. Shocker. Shocker. Who which I mean we going? which we could have figured out. And then something that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, uh, for running back screens. They have done – take a guess of how many running back screens the Bears have attempted this Four. year. Five. <laughs> which which in an insane oh um, which in an insane turn of amount, that's only sixth fewest in the league. There are five teams that have done less than that. What are those teams? What are I don't those know. Teams, I, I, I don't have the chart in front oh. of me, that, but the, this just says the Bears are sixth, sixth fewest with five. That's I can why. guarantee you a lot of those teams have running backs that aren't able to catch the football. It's and possible. you do have running backs who are able to catch the football. So that makes – and what would be interesting too is, is you bring up these stats. I, I, I would almost be willing to bet the New England Patriots are in the top five or even the top three of using the middle of the field. And why is Mac Jones regarded as the best rookie quarterback right now? Because they use the scene. They use in between the hashes. And those guys are always open in that area. I mean, that's the, that's the easiest part of the field to exploit if you know what you're looking at when you're looking at a defensive coverage. Like, it is the easiest part to exploit. And they don't they don't know how to do it, Jake. I, it's a, it's, right. it's astonishing. And which, also, which, is, which is insane because you have the playmakers for it. Like, you could make it work. Like, you have you have the guys where you could do it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we know that. That's you, fuck it, Demir Bird, fuck it, Marquise Goodwin, Jimmy Graham, <laughs> which Jimmy which Graham would thrive in that area. We finally saw Goodwin, twenty-two yards, took a pass, you know, yard after yards after catch. Marquise Goodwin signs a life too, so like yeah. you could clearly make it work if you wanted to. It, it's kind of amazing what can happen when you give guys like that the ball in space. Who would have thought? When you give a guy with four three speed the ball in space, he's gonna turn into twenty. Who that's rocket science? Uh, or or you give a guy with four four speed a design QB run? Who yeah. rocket science, man? I mean, it's the it's the obvious. It, it, it's the obvious. Jake, I don't know. Maybe uh, Chris Tabor listens to Bear Nation podcast. I don't know because we actually saw some design runs this week, and we, we have been talking. Jake, we've been talking about this since week two. I've been I've been hammering this in. I said Justin Fields is. The second tier just below Lamar Jackson. He resides with Kyle Murray in that second tier. And maybe you can include like a Josh Allen in there. And that play he made, that 22-yard touchdown, I mean, that is Lamar Jackson-esque. That is Lamar yeah. Jackson-esque. And they, sh- they flag the graphic on the screen. And I don't know where they found this stat because I would love to find it. About where Justin Field ranks among all quarterbacks and design QB runs. And up near the top, obviously, is Lamar and Kyler. And near the mm-hmm. bottom is Justin Fields. Mac right. Jones ahead of Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence oh, ahead Jesus. of Justin Fields. <laughs> it's – it's, but, you know, and, and that's why I, I do want people to look at 103 yards and say, look, it wasn't all from design QB run. Most of his 103 yards on the day did come from improvisation and breaking away from the pocket and turning, you know, a broken play into yardage. But there were more design runs, which I enjoyed. So – that's that's the key. I mean, if you give me 175 yards and uh, passing and 100 yards rushing every game, I'm I'm taking that every day. I'm taking that every day. I mean, that's basically what Lamar does. I mean, you'd like to see more passing yards, but you get 100 yards and 175 yards passing, and you score in the red zone. That sh- that should be enough to win you the game. The problem is they didn't score in the red zone. And that's why it wasn't enough. But 
those stats are enough, Jake. Do you agree? No. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And this is, I mean, I guess we call this the breakout game because it was, you know, Justin's Justin Fields most complete game for sure. But I mean, yeah, you should be able to win that game. It's just, you have to be able to convert those, you know, you don't win games on field goals, clearly, you know, as, as we just saw, like you, you don't win games. Like, and you brought up that, that screen passes deflating the, the missed extra point too, though. Like, I mean, we've talked, I mean, Cairo Santos has been awesome, you know, for almost two years now, but I mean, the, the missed extra point too was that, I mean, that was tough. I mean, that was brutal. And then you didn't score again after that. So, I mean, that's up there too. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. You muted yourself. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Hot start. Hot hot show for me today. Um, <laughs> no, I fire, man. I, I agree with you. And it, it's just frustrating. And the thing is, though, like, we're going to be able to see, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow with a guest who will tease at the end of the show. But, like, we're going to see the direct effect that the Matt Nagy effect is on Justin Fields' game because Justin Fields just had his best game. Just did it. Right. Just talking about it right now. Now you go to Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, so you have a long week to prepare. Pittsburgh's defense isn't great. They just they just traded away Melvin Ingram. Like, yeah, I mean, TJ Watt's there, and yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick's there. Yes, very good players, but like Pittsburgh's a beatable team. They've been playing That's better a very recently. Very beatable team. But it's a very beatable team. Like, you're we're about to find out. I mean, we are about, and granted, like, this is going to be a huge stage for Justin Fields too, Monday night football, obviously, but like, we're about to see the direct correlation between Matt Nagy being there and Justin Fields success. Justin Fields hasn't really played in a primetime game yet. I mean, I no. guess, cause I mean, America's game of the week against Tampa, yeah. that's not it, really it, it, a primetime game. It depends on what you consider <clears throat> the, the afternoon games. We'll consider prime time in this, you know, situation is under the lights. But true, this is true prime this, time. True prime time. This is where Justin Fields thrives, honestly, in, in these types of moments. So I'm excited to see him, you know, under the lights with all, you know, because he, he he's a guy that doesn't really face, who doesn't, you know, react negatively to pressure in a lot of in a lot of situations. Sure. So I, I'm I'm intrigued for that storyline, first of all. But yes, I mean this. This is a very, very beatable Pittsburgh Steelers team, and, and a thousand percent you can go out there and get the win. I just the one thing I may have hoped for, as far as Matt Nagy is, sometimes being on the outside, watching the game on television. Okay, I know he watches the tape every single year, but he watches on television. Uh, he said to the reporters yesterday, he took notes on every single play. Maybe, just maybe. Watching that game from the outside, taking notes, something might have clicked for him. It should have clicked months ago about what Justin Fields' strengths are and, and you know, what was working. And, and you know, honestly, seriously, maybe from a different perspective, looking at it on TV, not, you know, getting, again, because this has been the problem with Matt Nagy all along, too, is when he was calling plays, he, he was so focused on so many different things. You know, he can't figure, he can't hone in on just one thing. When you're doing the head coach and you're calling plays, that's that's a million things going on for you, and you can't just focus on one thing. You can't just have that one perspective. His perspective sitting on the couch on Sunday should have been just what is working for Justin Fields. What can I take away from this that I can call that I can you know work on in practice for Sunday? And maybe potentially, maybe he noticed 
that the, the design runs are what you have to do. Obviously, the Roth, the play action where he had success, that one throw to Jesse James in the end zone is an unbelievable throw that came from a rollout. I just, I, I, I have zero, I have little faith that that was the case, but sometimes just taking a different perspective, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I don't know. I mean, at this point, what else, what other, what else do I have to believe as far as what Matt Nagy can, what, what happened to make Matt Nagy more competent head coach? Maybe him watching the game on television, taking notes from a different perspective is, is just what the doctor ordered. I don't know. I'm, I'm playing optimist here, but at this point, what can you blame? I mean, if that's what it takes, like fine, but that is so sad. If the, like, like if that's if that's what it takes, and if that ends up being the situation, which I I don't believe will be, I believe Matt Nagy is who Matt Nagy is. But if that's if that's something that happens, I am going to have an aneurysm. Like that's just so sad. That like pitiful of like your coach sitting away from the team, being away from the team all week and having to watch from home on TV is what makes it click that his first round quarterback, what his strengths are and what he does well. I mean, that- yeah, it's <laughs> shitty, but tell at this point, what else? Come on. I mean, I mean, I'll take I, it. I, if it. If he, if it does click, I'll take it, but my God. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm 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 thinking out loud here, but I mean, obviously, if it hasn't clicked at this point, it's I don't know. It, it, there's got to be something. I and shit, I don't know, but maybe just maybe that different perspective. I mean, it's like you when you I mean they watch the tape and everything, but when you go to a game and you watch the game from the stands. I mean, I go to every Ohio State game on the sidelines doing video, and people ask me about the game. You know, at the end. And I'm like, I can't tell you anything. I, I can't tell yeah, you anything because sure. I'm so focused on what I'm doing on the sidelines and, and all these different things. And yeah, if you're, yeah, I'm a video guy versus a coach who's actually involved in the game and integrated in the game. But still, having a different perspective and be able to, you know, write down your mistakes right then and there, take notes on it live, watching on TV where you can see, you know, all 22 live, essentially all 22 for the most part live. It, it, it may make a difference. Again, I, it's 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 horrible that we are potentially talking about that making a difference. But at this point, it can't get any worse. It can't get any. It can't possibly be worse than what it is. So, I think there's reason for exercising that that could be some sort of potential thing that's real. So, I also um, I, I was gonna I was gonna take a look at the playoff picture too. I was gonna break down what they would have to do. So they're three and five right now. And you look at, I was going to take a look at their schedule. So we've got Steelers on Monday night Then you got Ravens at home. I know people are going to call this crazy. I think that's a beatable. I think that's a winnable game against oh, the God. Ravens at home. I, 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 th- I think, I think that's a game that you can pull off. They probably won't, but I think it's a game you can pull off. You know, the Raiders beat the Ravens. The Ravens are vulnerable. You neutralize Lamar Jackson in a way, extremely hard thing to do, oh, but yeah. you can win. Yeah. That's yeah. No, no sweat. Uh, so, Say you beat the Steelers, right? You go four and five, and then you know, you, I guess say you beat the Ravens, you're five and five, and then you play Detroit on Thanksgiving. Listen, listen this is going to come down to what we said the entire time. It's you're going to be six and seven with the last four weeks. And well, then I'm trying you, to figure out about how they get there to six and seven. Well, because then you so, have the Vikings twice in those last four weeks, and the Seahawks, two teams Giants. that are currently in front so, of you. Okay, so here's the thing: final four games of the season. Vikings, Bears, Bears, Seahawks, Bears, Giants, Bears, Vikings. In all, in in a perfect world, you should go four and zero in those games. If Russell Wilson is still out at that time, 
in Seattle, you should go 4-0 in those games. So assuming 9-8 and gets you in in this NFC playoff picture, which I think it does, right? I think we can kind of agree 9-8 and probably gets you in considering the current 7th seed is 4-4. Four and 9-8 four. and eight probably gets you in. You have to go, and assuming you go 4-0 in the last uh, four games, then you would have to be 5-8 and eight yeah. going going into the final four. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, no, but seriously, I mean, that, that, that two more wins so, and you're in. So, I mean, all right, you, so you, just, you just have to beat the Steelers and the Lions. You have to beat the Steelers and, you're and the on Lions. Or, or, or one of the, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I, and for some reason, maybe the Bears just play better under Mad Nagy at the end of the year. I mean, they had a great run last year. They, you know, went on eight game. I don't know how many, what the win streak was in 2018, but they started to play really well at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that year, I think they started to play a little bit better at the end of 2019 as well. Like maybe they're, maybe that's just the way they are. Like at some point it clicks for them and they're like, oh shit, we got to start playing well. Maybe we get into the playoffs and look, and, and, and there's people who are listening to this. Fuck you. Why are you talking about playoffs? And yeah. why are you exercising this? And to that, I, I go to the conversation we had earlier. Number, Number one, I'm sorry, I don't care how big of a fan you are or how angry you are, rather. You want to see your team in the playoffs. Don't don't yeah. deny it. Don't come to me acting like you don't want to see. We don't have a first-round draft pick. You have no argument right. to say, well, let's tank it out. At this point, yeah, Justin Fields' development is what you're watching, but why don't you why don't you want to see your team in the playoffs? You know what I mean? And yeah. if anything, you want to see your team have a meaningful game on Thanksgiving. You watch them with family. You know they're on primetime Thanksgiving. That's a fun thing. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't think Jay, am I incorrect for exercising the potential playoff possibilities? I I don't think so because it's also technically still a viable thing. So I I don't think you're crazy for that. I get why people are fr- are frustrated with that conversation because you certainly don't look like a playoff team. You're you know you're in the middle of a three game losing streak, but yeah, I mean I get it. I get it. I, I I for sure get it. But it's just you have to see, you just have to see the tangible improvement because if you play like you did against the 49ers and if you did against Tampa and like you did, you know, in the last couple of weeks, then you're not going anywhere. And and maybe the Lions are the only team you beat, and it's gonna be brutal. So, yeah, I mean, it's not super crazy. But uh, another note from the game that I want to hit on really quick: Larry Borum came off. Uh, the IR, he came back after, you know, a couple weeks injured. Yeah. He played pretty well. He started at right tackle and he played pretty well for not, for not having played in a game since week one and getting three days of practice. Like he played, I thought he played really well. And I think he was going up against Nick Bosa a decent amount of time. Yes. I thought, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a situation like Shaq Barrett versus Lacavia Simmons. You know what I mean? Where every time off the line you were getting beat. And Nick Boza, I think, is better than Shaq Barrett. You have to give credit to him. I mean, this is the kid's first NFL career start, right? I mean, yeah, I, 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 it's his first. I came in first start, against yeah. LA. Yeah, after first Peters NFL went out, career yeah. start, and he does that against Nick Boza. I mean, that good. like that's that's pretty good. Offensive line, I. I think they could have played a little bit better, but they opened up holes in the running game. Khalil Herbert had a fine day despite going down with injury. Justin Fields obviously had the 100 yards. You need Larry Borm healthy there. And I think once you – and shit, Jake, you know who might come back? Maybe not this week, but next is Tevin Jenkins. And 
it, it, it gets interesting when Tevin Jenkins come back because I don't I don't know if you put him at left tackle over Jason Peters right now. I mean, Jason Peters is playing really, really yeah. well. But then if Larry Borum continues to play well, do you put him over Larry Borum at I'm fine. right tackle? I, I'm fine with leaving Tevin Jenkins, like just letting him because back injuries, he, like a back injury yes. isn't, isn't like an ankle. Don't injury, rush him back. You know? Yeah. I'm fine with but, like if we if we don't see Tevin Jenkins barring injury, I'm fine with that, I think. It's just any given day Jason Peters is gonna, you know, injure his hip or something and and you know be out for a game or something. I mean, come on, the dude's 39. So you want the guy healthy, yeah. but I don't think you have to to rush him back. Um, I know you're being positive. I felt Chicago for you on the chat. I knew you are being positive, but I felt that the offensive line was pretty poor. Penalties nullify big plays, and Peters blew big buck late to force a field sack C-minus. I mean, yeah, but again, I mean, you, after, the reason, after the game we saw from them against yes, Tampa, I'll You evaluate I'll this based off of, this, off of the standards that you have seen previously, and based off what we've seen previously, this is a good day for the well, offensive well, the, line the, the, penalties, the penalties is a good point because Daniels and Whitehair, like two of your, mm-hmm. you know, your best guys – were the ones that were getting penalties and they aren't usually guys that draw a lot of penalties. So that's not great. Um, especially if it goes back to, you know, their usual ways next week and they don't draw any or one or whatever, then that kind of goes back to, okay, well then maybe, you know, that kind of had an effect on your game and maybe you win the game without those penalties. But yeah, compared to the standards of the rest of the season, I'll, Almost, they kept they kept they cut Justin Fields upright for most of the day, you know, and they gave him holes to run through. So, I'll take it for the most part. Yeah, I absolutely will take it. Um, some quick news, not nothing crazy, nothing crazy. The Packers released Jalen Smith. I remember Packers fans going crazy after acquiring Jalen Smith after he was released by the the Cowboys. He's just been released. As a bum. Um, teams have been inquiring about trading for Pro Bowl defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. I don't think that matters for us. Um, apparently, Darna Mooney deleted a tweet, uh, and I'm trying to find what the deal is about that. Um, I, uh, that worries me. But we've we've got Darna Mooney deleted tweet rumors. They're not they're um, not going to trade Darnell Mooney. They're I'm not no, they're not trading Darnell Mooney. But I don't know if he said something related to anything. I don't know. I'm uh, we're, we're, a we're Jimmy Graham esque retweet. Yeah, a Jimmy Graham esque. Which I mean, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Graham, Graham like he, yeah. He he just doesn't, doesn't exist on. on this team anymore. He just like well, he's he had just... COVID. So, oh yeah, true. Forgot about that. I uh, it was funny. The the sports book allowed me to place a bet on Jimmy Graham first touchdown score. So I put like ten bucks on it because I do it like every week because it's plus five thousand. And I'm like, well, it's gonna happen one week. Like I feel like it's gonna happen. I don't uh, think it and is. it 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 should. Let's just say that it should. Um, because you're telling here. Here's a question I ask you. You're the head coach of the Bears, and you're inside the tent, and you've got your tight end versus Fred. What would you rather do, Jim or Cole Komet? Don't even, don't even give me the bullshit that you'd want to throw at well, yeah. Cole Komet. I mean, I like that's fine with Jimmy Graham, but like you also, because I've said this all season. Like, yes, I do think this team should be trying to compete for the playoffs, but also like <clears throat> this team's gonna look different next year. Like this team, regardless of what happens, and obviously if you keep losing, it'll be more dramatic, but this team is going to look different between the salary cap hell that you're in between the, you know, one year contracts are Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham. Like this team is going to change. So I'm fine with this. We're like Cole Komet was second on the team with six targets. And 
I'm fine with trying to figure out what you have in Cole Komet because you need to have that answer to that question going forward because you're in this space right now where, okay, yes, Justin Fields, you, you hope you know what he is. And that hope is that he is going to be here for 10 plus years and take you to the playoffs and make you a perennial contender. Yes. Okay. We feel pretty good about Darnell Mooney. I would say half, you know, eight weeks in the season, I would say we feel pretty good about Darnell Mooney and what he is. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite, you know, top 10 receiver, but I think top 20, maybe top 15 type seasons every year and there is doable for him. Now you keep going down that list down to Jimmy Graham is not going to be here next year. It's they've made it very clear what his standing on this team is. Right. He's not, but that he's not going to be here. Why? I mean, because it, I, well, it matters because Cole Komet, you spent a second round pick on him. You have to, you have to start doing these things where you figure out where he is. I'm fine. Marquise Goodwin, Demir bird. These guys probably aren't going to be back here next year either. Cole Komet is still on a rookie deal. He's going to be back. It's going to be his third year. He's going to be back. So you need to figure out who you can rely on, who's going to be someone that's a contributor going forward, as well as this season. I, like I'm more, I'm more than happy with Cole Komet, especially because Jimmy Graham was unavailable. He's on the COVID list. I'm fine with Cole Komet getting those opportunities because, A, it's better than him not getting them like we saw for the first three weeks of the season and a lot of time last season. So I'd rather him get the opportunities than not. And because I get like, I just keep saying this point, like you need to figure out what he is because then that changes. If you think, if you believe over the next nine weeks that you can believe that you can count on Cole Komet next year and you think he'll take another step forward, then that's one less thing you have to worry about when, and and having one less thing to worry about is huge considering that you are going to have a lot of things to worry about come season's end. That's true. I just don't know. I, I I don't think when you're in the red zone, an important game that just figuring out what Cole Komet is and what his capabilities are is are the right thing to do. Well, in I'll, a I'll crucial say, but, moment. but I said this too. I don't. I don't. I didn't hate the throw. Like, should Cole Komet maybe have made that catch? Sure. I mean, it's a one-handed no, I mean, falling away shouldn't. catch. Like, yeah, and but... Justin Fields said it himself after the game. Oh, I need to put that ball more towards Cole's body so he has a better chance to catch it. And it was on Fred Warner. That that's hard. And and we talked about earlier in the show, like. The, the other routes around Cole Komet weren't the greatest, you know, weren't the most conducive to success elsewhere or even maybe for Cole Komet himself. But, you know, I, I didn't hate the throw. I didn't hate the decision. Um, and I know I'm kind of like a Cole Komet truther on this podcast that I, I think he can be something. Um, and yeah. I know a lot of people don't. But, you know, especially, like, yeah, Jesse James had caught a touchdown. But, I mean, what, you'd rather go to Jesse James there? <laughs> I don't and think then, Jesse James. Well, I don't think well, Jesse James makes that play either. No, he he doesn't. You know, but uh, again, and so this you're, the point that you're detailing as well, and the reason why you have to do this, why you have to, you know, eight games into the season, figure out what you have with Kokomet and try to throw to him, is because Justin Fields doesn't have the same rapport with Kokomet that he does with Jesse James. He doesn't. I mean, Justin Fields was throwing to Jesse James four months throughout the summer. His number one target in in the preseason. So he hasn't even had. You know the, the full reps with a Cole Komet. Right, so now exactly. you're left, you know, because you haven't seen their connection in training camp or even early on in the season. You're left now with eight games left, or, or well, we have nine left now because uh, yeah. the, the 17 game season. And to, mm-hmm. to figure out what you got with Cole Komet, and figure out, and quite frankly, figure out what you got with Allen Robinson because you weren't able to have these reps earlier on. And right. people, and people, and, and 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 Allen Robinson said this in the press comments last week. He said. You know, Justin and I just haven't been able to, like, haven't had the most reps. We're still trying to work together on our connection and our rapport because we haven't had the reps. And, th- like, 
Yeah. This, this is why we you were behind the eight about. ball from the start. You were behind the eight ball from the start. You were set back weeks, and it's leading to losses. It is. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how much of the offense, how much of the incompetence on the offense side of the ball you can actually attribute to that lack of, you know, repetition and connection between Justin Fields and the receivers, but I think it's a fair amount. I really do think it's a fair amount. I mean, to know exactly, you know, how a player on the outside operates, like like Allen Robinson, know exactly how each receiver, you know, uh, operates and running the routes and their breaks and, and all things yeah. like that, it's a lot to actually digest and dissect. And I, I, I do think that that had an, a tremendous impact. And and that's why Shane M says the same reason we, why we never see Robinson. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, it, it, it could be – I would have to go back and watch all the game tape from all the games. It could be that in certain scenarios, both Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson are open and at least have a chance to catch the ball. And and, and Justin Fields chooses Darnell Mooney because his connection with his with him is better. You know, I mean, that's that could be a totally valid point. And that's probably a little bit frustrating for Robinson, but his frustration shouldn't be directed. should be directed towards that Nagy putting in a position to where he he hasn't he just isn't able to have that connection with Justin Fields. So. I mean, what were his stats the first game with Andy Dalton and, and the, the first two games? Because I think that would be indicative. Uh, I'm going to look at him. I think he was the leading receiver, I want to say. I, I think he was. I don't think it was insane. Well, yeah, um, because that was, that was a crap game for the offense anyway. But, but he, he had the most receptions he had all year, six receptions for 35 yards. I mean, that's it's not a coincidence. That's what I'm saying. It's not a coincidence. No. I, no, and I think was it – yeah, and he was far and away the leader in targets too. He had eleven. The next closest was seven. So no, I yeah, I mean I, I think that's completely fair, one thousand percent. Like, and that's why like and, and, yeah, go ahead. I just think there's only so long that we can use this chemistry excuse because I mean they're practicing every day now. But like I said, you were behind the eight ball from the start. Why why did you even put him? Why did you even put the team in that position from the start? with you know not starting just with putting justin fields on the scout team and it was just it it was it was a mistake and now you're paying for it right now you are paying you're paying for it heavily and that's why i i don't i don't want to sit here and say i wanted alan robinson graded or i wanted that to happen but because i i still as a fan like alan robinson but part of me feels on his end that he he feels a little bit checked it, it feels a little bit like I don't know if it's checked out is the right phrase because I feel like that's can kind of insulting to a player's effort, and I don't think he's putting sure. not putting effort out there. But it's definitely frustration because he knows that he he knows that in a different maybe in a different system and with a different team he's gonna have more production, more success, and and people. Well, yeah, I mean, he, know, he knows this. He knows this affects but his no. next contract. Well, yeah, yes, but what I was gonna say is people think that this conversation includes the prior years but it doesn't because although he had Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing him he still was like third in the NFL in receptions in the past like three years past two to three years so it's his success was there the production was there yeah as a receiver when he had Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles you would like to get better balls but he was still getting them he was still getting the targets still getting the receptions this moment right now the volume was there this is probably more frustrating to him than it was in years past just him getting targeted, but the ball is not being accurate enough for him to catch. I feel like sure. that's a fair assumption, and that's what's leading to a little bit more frustration than we've ever seen from him. 
And, no, I mean, and we've seen him quit on routes this year. I mean, in the Packers game, we saw him quit on routes. I think in the Tampa game, we saw him quit on a route too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I would totally, I don't think you're too far off base with that assessment. And yeah, I mean, it, we'll see what happens with this team. Cause now like, obviously if you go on another six game losing streak, like you're, you're screwed, but I mean, well, that's, that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be very indicative of where you're at as a team, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, like, it's just like, it's great to see Justin Fields get better. Like, he's gotten better for the most part week to week. And this was his quote-unquote breakout game. Obviously, this is nowhere where we think the ceiling is. But it's just the not starting him in training camp and not starting with the starters and then going with Andy Dalton to start. And now you're reaping the rewards of that. And now, you know, you have to you know, like pick these things apart. And it's very frustrating where you're at that. Cause you're like, okay, well this went well. And even though, you know, but the chemistry isn't good here, but this still worked out. Like so much of this could have been avoided. And <laughs> you, you could have avoided a lot of this. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that throw to commit with Warner on him is better if he's working with commit all, all off season and beginning of the year. And, you know, maybe Alan Robinson is playing like we know he can play if him and Justin Fields have that chemistry and it's, God, you're just putting yourselves in these positions for no reason. Exactly. I mean, and that's why these conversations don't, they shouldn't go away. You know, there's people who in hindsight are, are saying, well, it, 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 it maybe it was the right decision to just sit and yes, explain that. But no, it's a trickle down effect that is more indicative of just what you see on the field and just what you take away from the, the box score each game. And, and there's reasons for that. And the reasons are derived from that decision. So, I, cause I know there's people there, you know, I, I talk to people every week who say, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were right all along about Justin Fields sitting on the sideline. Maybe, maybe he should have, maybe he wasn't ready. And, and all, but again, you have to take in all of those factors. So that, this is interesting though. I am Scox uh, in the chat says, Chad Johnson told J- Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, told Justin Fields before the season started to throw to the best receiver and you'll do fine your rookie season, throwing to A-Rob. But again, like, I, I mean, that's true. But if you don't have that connection with that guy, you're still not going to do it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, it, I'm it's sure- clear he has a connection with Darnell Mooney. So obviously you're going to be leaning that way from the start. Right. And if that's, that's what's comfortable for him, then so be it. I don't... Right. I'm just, I've gotten to the point where I'm not sure. And the reason why I thought he would be traded and why I'd be okay with that is I'm not, I don't know. Every week I was like, this week's going to be the the Allen Robinson breakout game. I don't know if we're going to get that at this point this year. I don't. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get that 100 yard Allen Robinson game. I mean, with with the way the offense is, you know, the the play calling on the offense of the ball and the connection there, I don't think you're ever, you're not going to do anything to raise his stock. I mean, because at this point, and the reason why people didn't want him to get traded is, well, you're, you're selling low on Allen Robinson because he's had a right. bad year. But I think teams also understand, like, if you're not an idiot GM, you understand he has more potential than what he's shown. So I don't really think you're selling low because people understand his potential, but he just hasn't been able to do that considering the other factors as far as the relationship with Justin Fields play calling. So I don't think you would actually be selling low, but now you might not get any. Now you're just probably going to let him walk at the end of the year. You don't get, you know, any picks back for it or anything. You just lose the salary and that, and that's the end of it. But that would you have been okay, like 
from that standpoint with them, like, does that ideology make sense to you? Or rather, do you think that that Brady game is still going to come? Or are you pretty much out on the fact that Allen Robbins is going to do anything for them going forward? Anything like an 100, you know, yard year, a 100-yard game? I'm sure he'll get a 100-yard game at some point. Because I, I think that as Justin Fields gets better, Allen Robinson should theoretically get better. But yeah, I mean, it's clear Darnell Mooney is Justin Fields' guy. And it's clear that that's who he looks to. And it's clear that, you know, the tight ends, both Cole Komet and uh, Jesse James, are kind of the guys that they're that the coaching staff are trying to shoehorn in as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't think I would lean more towards that, like, breakout game that Allen Robinson's like, 100 and something yards and, and two touchdowns they, like that's not going to come you're not going to see that i i mm-hmm. don't even know if you'll get those signature like alan robinson deep down the sideline catches or catch and runs like it, it's just very clear that they're not using him the right way and when they do go to him it's just not working uh in, in the way that you think it will so yeah i, I mean i i would lean towards no i would lean towards no that you're not going to see it and it sucks to say but it's clear that as justin fields progresses he's trying or not, maybe not even trying, but Darnell Mooney is his guy. That's his go-to. That's his buddy. Yeah, and, and again, that could be okay, but you still want to use. You still want to use your best your, playmaker. Your, yeah. your best, your best playmaker. And there's people who say I, I was in a Twitter argument earlier about um, you, you know, there's guys who are blaming the receivers and blaming you know Allen Robinson and all those guys. And I want to go back to the thread uh, of it. Uh, you know, oh, they don't get separation, and oh. You know, the the offense and, and, and oh, Mark Peace Goodwin's terrible and Jameer Bird is terrible. You know, these guys are really, really bad. And I said, Cedric Wilson, who, uh, who no one really knows, just put up 100 yards and a touchdown with Cooper Rush as his quarterback. Are you going to sit here and tell me Cedric Wilson <laughs> is more talented than Allen Robinson and Cedric Wilson is more talented than Darnell Mooney or Cedric Wilson's even you could not you made the argument Cedric Wilson not any more talented than Marquise Gilbert or Jameer Bird. I mean, Jameer Bird had 600 yards receiving last year. And the guy comes back on Twitter and says, Cedric Wilson has a CD Lamb and an Amari Cooper next to him. The Bears don't, you know, you know, the Bears don't have. I said, okay, I can give you uh 50 receivers who have more receiving yards in the NFL than Allen Robinson, who don't have a CD Lamb and a uh, uh, Amari Cooper next to them. Quez Watkins of the Detroit Lions has more receiving yards than Allen Robinson. Oh my! So don't God. come to me with the take that it takes it, it. You have to have Ugh. you know Amari Cooper and a Ceedee Lamb. That's like, gross. This is all about this is That's all about play gross. calling, getting guys open. I can I I I'd put a million dollars on the fact that Allen Robinson's a better receiver than Quez Watkins and, and can do more than yeah. Quez Watkins can. But Wes Watkins has more yards. So what are we talking about here, man? Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, it's a a disappointing game. Uh, The loss of the 49ers talking about, like, it's a disappointing game. But, I mean, you have a winnable game coming up against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. So you have to take advantage. And you got got to try and make something happen. You, I mean, Justin Fields, you need, you need to, need to, need to build off this game. Because there was a lot of good things from that game, both passing and obviously the running. You have to build out off of it. So we'll break it down tomorrow, and we will be breaking it down with Tom Waddle of ESPN 1000 fame and former Bears player, obviously. So we're going to talk about with him the run of great guests continues. We'll have Waddle on, talk about previewing the Steelers game, talk about his thoughts on Justin Fields, of course, and just talk about everything and really break it down and get used to it. We got a, we got a long week. We got an extra day to prepare for the Bears to hurt us mm-hmm. again. So 
We'll talk about it all tomorrow with Waddle, usual place right here. And obviously we'll go out in all podcast form, but that does it for this episode for our recap episode. Thank you to everyone that was in the comments today. We know this is a different day, different time, but thanks for coming through. Thanks for the listeners who consume the podcast from, of course, but come back tomorrow. Me, Kevin Waddle will be here. You should be there too. Until then. 